God is in this place, and he is going to speak to us powerfully, I believe. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. I want you to turn to the 55th chapter of Isaiah. And in just a few moments, we'll read from this portion of Scripture. There are some things that are worth repeating. Can I get an amen? Some things worth hearing again. Parents, how often do you have to repeat yourself? Spouses, can I get an amen? Sometimes you have to repeat yourself. In fact, this morning, across the living room, my wife had to repeat herself to me (laughs) a couple of times. I was standing at the sink with the water running, and I wasn't able to hear her. And she repeated herself. And then the volume came up, for some reason, just a little bit, so that I could hear her better. Amen. Some things are worth repeating. And so this morning, I'm going to repeat some things I have said before, because I feel an unction from the Lord this morning. Amen. You know, in communication, we have learned that uh, we can change the volume of our voice and it causes people to draw their attention to what you're saying, right? We've got some educators here in the building this morning and you understand that when you're in front of a group of people, students you're trying to teach, it's just the very act of lowering your voice a bit draws people in. And then there are times, as I mentioned before, that you've got to raise your voice to get somebody's attention. Hey! I need you to listen. Amen. This happens quite often in my relationship with my sweet wife. I feel a kindred spirit in the building, I do believe. Often she'll say something to me, even in service, and she'll whisper something to me, and I'll whisper back to her an answer, and she will say to me, you need to whisper. I'm like, I did whisper. And she's like, no, everybody can hear what you're saying. So at night when we're laying in bed and she's talking to me, and my back's to her, and her mouth is about six inches from my ear, and she's talking at full volume, turn to her and say what what do I say you need to whisper amen the communication problems but but it you know what when we speak to people we're communicating and God speaks to us as well and God uses his voice to speak to us through his word and there are often when we read his word we can understand that As we read this word, this is a normal tone. God is just communicating some important things to us. But there are times when we understand that as we read it, God is whispering to us. He's getting our attention. Elijah experienced this in 1 Kings chapter 19. He had, he had, had such a great victory over the prophets of Baal. They had poured water all over their altars and prayed for their God to answer, and there was nothing. But then Elijah filled the ditch around his altar and 
soaked the altar with water, and called upon God, and God answered by fire. Amen. Elijah was heralded as the one whose God answers by fire. But at, on the heels of that great miracle, Jezebel got on Elijah's case, and she told him she was going to hunt him until she killed him. He was good as dead. And so he ran for his life and hid in a cave, the Bible tells us. And there in the cave, Elijah's feeling sorry for himself. He's hunted by a woman who has the power to take his life, and he's worried that God has forgotten him. And there in that cave, he prays to God. And God says, Elijah, get up out of this. Elijah even went on to say, I'm the only one that's serving you, God. I don't know if anyone's ever felt like that, felt alone. Maybe sitting in this building this morning, you've, you've felt alone. You've even told God, Lord, I'm the only one. I'm by myself. I'm alone. Here Elijah was, and there's a great tornadic wind that rips across that mountainside. And boulders start falling and crumbling down the side of that mountain. And Elijah listens, but he doesn't hear the voice of God. An earthquake shakes the mountain and splits the mountainside apart. And uh, trees and debris begin to fall into those caverns that the earthquake had created. But Elijah listens and there is no voice of God. You ever been there? You're listening for God and you can't hear him. A fire sweeps across that mountainside and burns the trees and rubbish along the mountainside. But and as Elijah listens, there is no voice of God. But the Bible tells us that after the tornadic wind and after the earthquake and after the fire, there comes a still, small voice, a whisper. And it's the voice of God. And God encourages the heart of Elijah and tells him he's not alone. Although he feels alone, that he is not alone. There are many who serve him. And so he's not alone. So there is a time when God speaks to us in the still, small voice. But there are also times when God shouts. The book of Job tells us that God thunders marvelously with his voice. He speaks, he does great and wondrous things that we cannot comprehend by the power of his voice. And so there are times when God shouts to get our attention. He thunders marvelously. C.S. Lewis said this in his book, The Problem with Pain. He said this, God whispers in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts to us in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. I wonder this morning if God is shouting at someone in this building. You think you're just in pain. You think that God's forgotten you. But God's shouting at you. He's trying to get your attention. He's trying to tell you, hey, I'm right here. I want to work in your life. I want to move in your life. I've not forgotten you. I know where you're at. I know what's happening. I know what has gone on in your life. I know the physical pain that you're going through. I know the emotions that you're feeling right now. 
the disappointment of a shattered dream that has happened in your life, and yet you, you think that God has closed his ears, but he's listening, and he's even shouting to you to get your attention. He's trying to say, I know where you're at. It is in your pain that God is shouting to you. And so it is for the next few moments. I want to speak to you on this topic we've heard before. When God shouts. When God shouts. You see, there's some times when he whispers, but there are times. And I believe in my spirit this morning that God is shouting in someone's heart, in someone's soul. God is raising his voice. He's trying to get your attention because he knows where you're at. And he wants you to know that he knows where you're at. And it is in our text in Isaiah 55 verse 1 that we hear the shout of God to the nation of Israel. And over the centuries of time, that voice is speaking to us in this building again this morning. God is shouting to us who are sitting on these chairs, 107 Commercial Street. He's trying to get our attention. It is in that first verse that we hear the great shout of God. So I'd like for you to stand, would you? There are eight words in that first part of Isaiah 55.1. I'd like to replace that first word we see on the screen with the word hey, because it better translates what is meant there. But I would like for you to, if you've, you've, uh, you've seen the words on the screen, so if you want to put your Bible down or your tablet down, I'd like for you to use your hands and cup them around your mouth right now. Would you? And we're going to shout these eight words together. Can you do that with me? Just lift up your kids. It's okay to shout in church right now. I know you've been told to use your inside voice. But it's okay right now for you to use your outside voice, okay? Can you join with me right now? Let's shout it to the top of our lungs. Hey, everyone who thirsts. Come to the waters. Thank you, and you may be seated. Amen. This is what God is shouting. He goes on to say in Isaiah, And you who have no money, come, buy, and eat. Yes, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. And a great question that God asked in verse 2, Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and let your soul delight in its fatness only God can satisfy amen that's what he's declaring only God can satisfy let me ask you a question have you ever been thirsty have you ever been thirsty I think you probably have and right now just by me mentioning it some of you your mouth is starting to get a little dry. In fact, some of you are going to reach down to that bottle of water that you've got sitting beside you on the floor. And in a few moments when I'm not looking, you're going to put it to your mouth and take a swig of that water. You know, our bodies when we were born is almost 80% water. And as we get older, we start losing that water. An adult is about 60% water. We are, in fact, just walking water balloons, someone said. And I believe that. So the next time you have a water balloon fight with someone, when you hit them with a water balloon, just say, 
You can thank me later. We need water, need hydrating. In the best of conditions, we can go eight to ten days without water. That's in a cool place in the shade. But in the extreme conditions when the sun is beating down on us and the temperatures are hot, our bodies can lose up to a third of a gallon of water an hour. And it doesn't take long for us to come become extremely dehydrated in those situations. I don't know if you've ever been on a road trip when someone was trying to beat their time to St. Louis or some other destination. They made it to St. Louis in five and a half hours last time. This time their goal is five hours and 15 minutes. We're going to make it. That means no bathroom breaks, no stops. We're going. And so no water. You're thirsty. Your mouth is dry and your bladder is about to burst. But they're going to break their record. Maybe in a meeting when someone's going too long and you're thinking about that water fountain out there in the hallway. Just, oh my goodness, if I could just get to it. Just get a drink working outside. Have you ever been thirsty? So I want to talk to you about two men who were thirsty here real quickly. The first man is named David Bouchot. David Bouchot signed up for a wilderness course that stretched across the Utah desert in July of 2006. The course was intended to push people past the mental barriers or the physical barriers their mind had placed upon their bodies. And so he was testing himself. The designers of this course said this, somewhere along the many miles of sagebrush flats and rock, red rock canyons and the mesa tops of southern Utah, somewhere between the thirst and the hunger and the sweat, you're going to discover yourself, he was told by the course designers. Boucher was no stranger to testing his physical limits. He had marched across the Arctic tundra of Greenland and spent years in the Air Force experienced their basic training. He had worked security at a number of U.S. bases across the world after he retired. So he had stretched his body on many occasions. He was even a decorated Boy Scout who had learned survival skills as a child. And so he understood what it meant to stretch himself. But in, on day two in that blazing Utah desert, Dave Busho was in trouble. He was in bad shape. He was pale. He was wrecked. By cramps, his speech was slurred, and he, this 29-year-old New Jersey man, was in bad need of water. So much so that he was hallucinating uh, so badly that he mistook a tree for a person. He was in serious need of water. This man was thirsty. The other man I want to talk to you about is a man by the name of David as well. And he is a man that we know from the Bible he was a shepherd, he was a psalmist, and he was a king. Although this David found himself in wildernesses many times and found himself thirsty for natural water, it is his thirst for the living God, the thirst for the Spirit of God that we want to point out and note this morning. Of the 150 psalms that we have in the book of Psalm, 
Psalms. David is noted to have written almost uh, or at least potentially 76 of those Psalms. And throughout those Psalms, David does not shy away from the hard subjects and hard things that humanity faces, the emotional roller coaster that we often find ourselves on as human beings, those ups and downs, the ebb and flow of life. David doesn't shy away from those. We find him joyous and worshipful at times. We find him at times frustrated and angry with God, saying, where are you, God? Why are you not answering my prayer? And often we find him melancholy and even downright depressed. He doesn't shy away from the human emotion. His story is one of being discounted by his father at the very beginning of the story we see in the Bible. He's out in the field, and the prophet has come to anoint the new king, one of his boys, one of Jesse's boys. Jesse doesn't even think enough of David to call him to the house. All the other boys are there, but surely David is not king material. And so he was discounted by his fathers and brothers. He was hunted like a wild animal by his predecessor. It brought him into his palace, but then started hunting him like an animal and even turned on by his friends. I'm speaking to someone right now who's, you're experiencing relationship issues and you can't figure out why God's allowing things to crumble in your life. And I'm telling you, maybe God didn't cause these things to happen. Maybe it is human error and selfishness that has caused your relationship issues. But God is with you in the midst of these problems. He's with you in the midst of this pain. And he is screaming to you. He's shouting to you. Come to me. If you're thirsty, come to me and drink. I'm the living water. I'm the living water. Don't fill your life with things that cannot satisfy. Why do you spend your life trying to find something to satisfy when I am the one that will satisfy your soul? It is the heart of David that we note most of all. His thirst for God that flows through his psalms. If he wrote Psalm 1, and many believe that he did, he wrote, blessed are the is the man whose delight is in the law of the Lord. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Amen. David knew what it was like for his soul to be thirsty, but to find himself by the river of living water. Psalm 23, he says, He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. Amen. If you'll come to him, he will give you the water you need so desperately. It is estimated of the 76 Psalms that David wrote, 19 of them, a full 25% of them were written during relationship issues. Either with Saul or with his son Absalom. And of those 19, 12 of them, it is estimated, were written about his problem with his son, Absalom. It is in Isaiah 42 that we hear the words of David as he writes, as he is struggling with his relationship with Absalom. In the midst of that dry desert land, 
he says these words, as the deer pants after the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. Can you hear the thirst, not the physical thirst, but the spiritual thirst of this man who's saying, God, in the midst of this trouble, in the midst of this pain, oh God, I need your help. You are the only one that can satisfy my thirsty soul. Psalm 63, we see that he's in the wilderness of Judah, out there in the desert place. Probably thirsty physically. But his physical thirst is overshadowed by his spiritual thirst. Because he has been chased out of his royal palace. But more than that, he can't find himself in the temple where he can worship God. He has been banned from the temple. He can't get there. And his heart is longing to worship the Lord. And he says, you... Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. David had a longing for God and he understood that God was his sustenance. He understood that God was his source. Jeremiah echoes, echoes the sentiments of Isaiah, the prophet as well. In, Isaiah, in Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13, where he says, For my people have committed two evils. First of all, they have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters. It's bad enough that they've forsaken me. But they have replaced me. They have hewn them out cistern, broken cisterns that can hold no water. You see, whatever it is that we put in God's place is only a temporary replacement. And that gnawing that you feel in your soul is because you're trying to replace God with something that was never meant to replace him. It is a poor substitute and it will not hold water. It will not last. That drug, that alcohol, that relationship, that habit that is driving you right now, it will not ever satisfy you. As the prophet David said, we need to thirst after God. As a deer who pants after the water brooks, may we pant and long for the living God. Only God can satisfy your soul. Only Jesus can cleanse and make you whole. Jesus continues this theme of shouting to people in trouble in John chapter 7. The Bible tells us in John chapter 7 verses 37 through 39 that on that last day, that great day of the feast... This was the feast that was commemorating the rock-giving water miracle in the desert. And it was the habit of the priest, we are told, to carry water from the brook Gahan, spring Gahan, all the way up to the altar there in the temple. They would pour that water out over the altar. And some 
people think that it was at the moment when that last drop of water poured out of that pitcher over the shoulder of that priest. When that last drop of water rolled out of that pitcher and hit that altar, that's when Jesus shot to his feet. The Bible tells us he stood and he cried out. This was not a whisper. But it was a cry. It was a loud cry that got the attention of everyone there in the temple. He stood and cried and he said, If anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. You see, when we are filling our souls with things that will not satisfy, God shouts at us and says, Come to me and drink. Come to me and drink. I'm the only one that can satisfy you. I'm the only one that can quench the thirst of your soul. You're dehydrated, but I'm the only one. I'm the only one. I'm the only thing. Your heart was made for me. Your soul was made to be quenched and hydrated by my spirit. I'm the only one. He who believes in me, as the scriptures has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And John goes on to tell us that he is speaking concerning the spirit that he would give to us, those of us who would believe. Amen. Amen. Dave Bouchot, out in that Utah desert, 10 hours without a drink, 100 degree temperature. He dropped to his knees in that desert sand, fell face down in the dirt, and breathed his last breath there in Utah in 2006, just 100 yards from the pool of water that he was trying to get to. What's even worse, the guides had water on them that they could have given him. One journalist said it this way, a hiker died of thirst with water all around. It was there. He could have had it. He could have survived. And I just want to ask you, is your soul thirsty? And even though you're around God and the things of God, is your soul dehydrated? Have you been trying to quench the thirst of your soul with so many other things? And yet God is screaming, shouting at you this morning, come to me and drink. Come to me and drink. You see, God wants to get our attention. And sometimes he has to shout to do it. Sometimes he has to raise his voice because he cares. So a couple of years ago, we take our grandkids, uh, have them for about a week every summer. And we had load up, loaded up on all the bicycles we had. We have five bicycles hanging in our garage. So I'm on a bicycle, four of the grandchildren are on bicycles, and the youngest is on a scooter. And we're headed across the other neighborhood to a little park. And I told them as we left, I said, when we get to the stop sign, I want you to stop and wait for me. I'm lagging behind because of the youngest on the scooter. 
Out of the five grandchildren, we have one girl, and because she's the only girl, she feels the need to best the boys at everything. And she often does. I often tell Carolyn she's more, more of a boy than the four boys are. And so McKinley is leading the pack, but when she gets close to the stop sign, I see she is not slowing down. And I look in the street, and a car's coming. And so, with everything inside of me, I lift my voice, and I shout, McKinley, stop! And she puts on the brakes. It would have been tragic. She would have been at the least hurt because she would have been hit by a car. I just wonder this morning who God's screaming at. Who in this building and who listening to this this morning is God trying to get your attention and say to you, come to me. God whispers, but there are times when he shouts because he's trying to get our attention. I want you to stand with me this morning. And this is going to be a simple call here this morning to these altars. Maybe you're completely dehydrated. Maybe you're so close to spiritual death that you need some help. Someone to bring you some water. I'd like for you to be bold enough to step out into these altars here this morning and come. Are you thirsty? Anyone in this building saying, oh, I've, I've got to have some more of that spiritual water. I've got to answer the call of Jesus when he says, if any man thirst, let him come to me. God will fill us with his spirit if we'll come thirsty. So I'm inviting you to come to these altars this morning. Come to these altars and, and cry out to the Lord and say to the Lord, God, I have been, been trying to fill myself with so many other things. And Lord Jesus, I want to hear your voice. I hear you shouting at me in my pain, in my frustration. I thought, God, you had forgotten me. But I've been reminded this morning that my pain is turning my attention towards you. And oh Lord Jesus, I'm crying out to you this morning. I'm crying out to you for your help, oh God. Right now in this building, Jesus. I need you. I need your help. Come on, let's lift our voices. If God can shout to us, we can lift our voices to him right now. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I need you. I need your help, oh God. I need somebody to pray with me. I need somebody to help me. I need someone to lay their hands on me and cry out to God for me and help me to receive the spiritual water that my soul desperately needs this morning. Oh Jesus, help me this morning, oh God. Oh Jesus, I need you. Forgive me, Lord, for replacing you with everything else, oh God, that I've been trying to drown out those voices, Jesus. I need your help, oh God. I need your help, Jesus. Amen. I need your help, Lord Jesus. I'm coming to you, Lord. I'm thirsty. I'm thirsty spiritually. 
and I need your guidance. Come on, right now. Let's pray all across this building. Let's raise our hands to the Lord. Let's raise our hands to the Lord. Oh, God, help us, Jesus. Help us, God. Help us, Lord Jesus. Oh, God, we're thirsty. Our souls have become dehydrated. Our spirits are dry. Oh, Lord Jesus, our hearts are empty because we've tried to fill it with everything else, oh God. But we have been reminded by your word this morning that you are the living water. Come on, let's, let's cry out right now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus.